This is Spoiler Country, a podcast about comics, movies, whatever, but mostly comics. Enjoy. Previously on Spoiler Country, wait, he's totally awesome, Hulk. No, totally awesome, Hulk. Come on, that's stupid. That's his Why name. Why would you call him? That's dumb. That is so dumb. That is so dumb. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That is that. Is, that's a dumbass name. Well, it's totally what... <laughs> awesome, Hulk. T A H Ta. Hey Ta, what's up? Okay, welcome to Spoiler Country. This is Kendrick Regan. That is John Horsley over there. Ooh, I, I grew up today. You grew up today. You know, I was yeah. thinking about the Johnny, the John, the Jay, and I was like, I'll go with John today. But today is something. Kid. That's right. You're a big, big kid. You're a real big kid. Oh, hey, call me fat. <laughs> Takes one to know one. So today is kind of special. Today, August 28th, 2017, is the 100th birthday of Jack King Kirby. And whether you like his art, you don't like his art, whether you've ever read an actual story, you know who he is, what he's done, and his influence are still outreaching today. Yeah, you can't, like, there's, it's very hard to say there's any other creator out there with the exception of maybe Stan Lee that has had the influence and the unknown influence that Jack Kirby has over the last 100 years. Well, yeah. Well, him and Stan Lee work side by side for what is like a 10 year period. Right. And really those two together, probably the most prolific team to, of any comic book duo. Right. They have the, the credits of their name are the staples of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I watched I don't know if you had a chance, but I sent you the link for the Jack Kirby YouTube. Well, it's not it's on YouTube. I sent you the YouTube link for the documentary right. about Jack Kirby. It's called Jack Kirby Storyteller. And it goes through his whole career and it's it's pretty astounding. I have not I haven't watched that one. I've I've seen stuff like that before. I didn't have time today cuz I was at the the yeah, work well, conference. I, yeah. I mean, you can't take time off your full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> we don't oh ever do that. Hold on guys, I got to pause this meeting. I need to watch this video real quick for my podcast. <laughs> right, right. I got to learn about Jack King Kirby, so right. you guys just stay right there. But yeah. In a lot of ways, his influence is so overreaching, but it's sad in the fact that he never really got the recognition during his time that he should have got. You know, he got paid nothing. Right. And he also, he also never sought fame either. He more just wanted to tell stories and create worlds, from what I understand. Yeah. Well, you know, he left when he went to go D- to D.C., they offered him more money and he was like, you know, he's got to take care of his family just like everybody else. Right. And then he gets to D.C. and it was the same old, same old. Right. I think it's Neil Adams. Somebody, I think it's Neil Adams in the documentary talks about the fact that they used to change his faces on Superman because they didn't like the way he drew Superman's face. So they'd have another artist come in and change the face. Oh, man. How would you feel if you were the artist that had to go had to go work over the king's work? Yeah. Right. You know, just (laughs) DC just they only they just wanted to hire him away from Marvel to say they got they have Jack Kirby. They didn't really have they didn't want to give him the the freedom that he deserved. They just wanted him to, to say, they just wanted to say, we have Kirby, which is the wrong reason. It was the wrong reason. They did give him, you know, the fourth world and the new gods to, to create and work on. He, he basically, he, besides the green lanterns, he created the Marvel or the, the DC, but they never backed it. Like they should have. No, they never did. It was always secondary. I mean, just up until, you know, the last 10 years, you started seeing more dark side and more of the new God stuff come out in the, in non comic book stuff. Yeah. Was, was dark side from Kirby? Yeah. Dark side was from Kirby. Oh, that's awesome! Because he's one of the main villain attractions of the DC universe now. Yep, he was a uh, Dark Dark Side's part of the New Gods that came out, and he was. It's 
it's I mean he's like it's that's Kirby's probably biggest contribution to the DC universe, and it happened in an epi- an, an issue of Jimmy Olsen of all things that he was working oh, on. Oh wait, he's in the TV. Yep, issue yeah, one thirty-five, whatever. Yeah, but he's not. That's just, that's his first appearance, but that's like counting Hulk one eighty as Wolverine's first appearance. He's in one panel. No, and one eighty, he's on. He's it's a full page splash. It's not just one panel. On what? In Hulk one eighty, it's the full. It's the full last page. Oh well, there you go. So, but I'm just saying, Dark Side is one panel, and he's on a TV screen inside the panel. Right. I think. Well, then his. I mean, his, his real first appearance is in Forever People number one, which should be his first appearance, and Jimmy Olsen should be considered a, a cameo appearance. But I don't. I don't know who determines what's a first appearance, what's not a first appearance, because it's not consistent. It's, in any yeah, way. it's weird. Like it's you would think, board. Hulk 180 should be Wolverine's first appearance. If right, it's a it's full not. plate splash, splash page on the la- on the last page, then why is yeah. that not? That makes no sense to me. Why why one eighty one became the first appearance and one eighty didn't? But yeah, we're gonna go off on a diatribe here, and really we gotta concentrate on Kirby. <laughs> Us go off topic? Never. I know, never. So, who was his writing partner in the forties? Simon. Yeah, Joe Simon. They created Joe Simon, uh, Captain America together, and they did Captain America together. That's right, and it was. That was a big hit, but it wasn't that big a hit. It's a bigger well, it was, hit now than it was during the time that it came out. It was a big, it was Timely's best selling book. Right. Still wasn't that big of a hit. Well, if you compare it to Superman and Batman, absolutely not. But it was like, it was like in the, in the pantheon of superheroes of the 40s, it was in the top five. You know, there was Superman, Batman, Captain America, Captain Marvel, and then sure. so, something else. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, but I'm just reflecting on the fact that it was a big hit, but it still wasn't that yeah. big of a hit for him, you know? And he didn't get no, paid well, nothing for it. That's I think that's my issue with when I was watching that documentary, I couldn't help but feel real bad. I mean, not bad, but I really empathized for what he was going through because here was this guy that created these amazing he did you know, he created art. I think Walt Simonson during the during that they're talking about how Kirby always had the vision that comic book artists will be seen in museums. And people will take their art seriously. And when at the time, they were throwaway magazines. Right. And he, and he was right. And he was right. And it happened within his lifetime, which was great to see. But one of the reasons that he left Marvel is because he wanted to be a VP. He wanted to have equity in the company. And they wouldn't give it to him. They said it was morally. Had. Yeah. They, they basically said it wasn't morally right for them to do that and not pay him the right way. People that just started out in the industry in 1985 got paid more than Kirby in the 1970s. And that makes no sense. One thing I never understood about comic books is, well, how come in comic books, if you create a character for a company, right, and you know, you're know you technically, a, it's a work for hire, whatever you want to call it, even though you're an employee, it's a long story. But let's say you're Jack Kirby and you create Darkseid, you don't have any rights to that character. You don't have any residuals. You don't have anything that says... Uh, just created by Jack Kirby, nothing that down the road. If they make a movie out of it, you don't get something, you know, you don't get a chunk of the profits. You get nothing out of it besides your name listed next to it. Yeah. Why is that? You know, why? I mean, it's changing. It's, it's well, changing now to where a is. lot of like a lot of creators who've created stuff in the last 20 or 30 years, they do get some residuals like that and some stuff like that. But I never understood how the comic book market was able to create this world that you could create these characters to become billion dollar industries. And as a creator, you get paid. 500 bucks for it. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is it happens in technology all the time. You know, somebody working at Microsoft will come up with a product and then they'll be like, oh, that's great. And then they'll develop it and then it comes, you know, then they market it and then they make billions of dollars. But that guy just gets the same old paycheck that he's always gotten. 
Yeah, and I I I think that's a, that's a failure. That's the same kind of concept, right? It is. I mean, and that's how Marvel and, and DC and they're all guilty of it, right? They There's are, no better. DC's not any better because DC totally screwed over the guys that came up with Superman. And they screwed up Bill Finger, and they screwed up anybody who didn't have it written in their contract to say that they got residuals after the fact. Yeah, even if it was written in their contract, lots of times, especially during that back then, they didn't pay it. And it's it's a shame. It really is. It's it takes the fun out of comics when you when you look at the business side of comics. It takes the fun out of comics. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. But you know that when going through and, and reading about Kirby and watching documentaries about Kirby today, and I was just kind of reflecting. I am too young. To, to really have seen Kirby stuff on the newsstand. I mean, there was some things, you know, obviously, because I yeah. think he worked all the way through the 80s even. He did. He worked in the, into the 90s too before he passed away. Yeah, but he wasn't Kirby of the 60s. You no. know what I mean? And that's all his influential stuff came out in the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. Well, you, but you could say the New Gods is very influential because they, they're, they're harking back to that more and more now. Well, I mean, that's the whole basis of the Justice League movie. I think they're, yeah, I think they're realizing how good it really was. And they're probably going, man, we really should have stayed on this much better or at least marketed it more when it, you know, in the 70s when they had it. Right. And I mean, it was the 70s, right? It was like 75 early, like, or something like that. Yeah, it was the 70s. And, um, you know, they, it, they pushed it for a little while and they, they did try to bring it back a couple years ago. But I mean, it's it's the whole basis of the whole background of the DCEU right now and has been since, you know, Batman v Superman. It's been Dark Side and. Steppenwolf, you know, which are new gods. When you look at what they're doing now in the Marvel Universe, not the Marvel Universe, I'm sorry, but the DCEU, which I'm liking their movies. I know that's not PC, but I am liking all their movies. <laughs> I'm always going to bring that up because someday they're going to have these like, like these string of hits with their movies. And everybody's like, oh, they're so good. I'm going to be like, I remember when. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's cool that the new gods and specifically Darkseid is their main villain now who was created by Kirby in the 70s, who they did not back. And he left dejected from DC, went back to Marvel, which he didn't really, I don't think he really wanted to do. Because now you got to no, come back in with your tail between your legs. Well, him and Stan Lee had a huge falling out too. I mean, it's kind of iffy on the actual details of it, but they pretty much didn't really like each other there for a long time. Because well, Stan Lee took credit for everything. And then Jack Kirby was like, wait, no, I, I, did, I did a lot of this too. And Yeah. Yeah, well, Kirby designed and really created all those characters. Because Stan Lee, from what it looks like, Stan Lee was taking a lot of names and characters from stuff that he's already done. Yeah, he would he would try out characters, and then it wouldn't work, so he would just redo it. Like, there was a Doctor Strange before Doctor Strange. I think there was you a know, Hulk there was before a Hulk. Before Groot. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of stuff before, you know, he would try it once, it didn't work, he'd come back. There was a Punisher before the Punisher, too, so. Well, that the Punisher was a, yeah. Well, they were going to call the Punisher something else. What were they going to call him? They are going to call him something else. But he had a robot that was in like one issue of some magazine yep. that he did called the Punisher. And he's like, let's just call him that. It's a great name. And it, and it worked. Right. And he was right. It was a good name. He, he'd reuse names until it fit to a character that, that, that took off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I felt bad when I, was, when I was watching that and reading about him. Some of this, I shouldn't say I felt bad. But I was dejected by the way the industry treated this guy. Yeah. One thing I've always felt bad or not. I don't know if felt bad is the right word, but I've always felt odd about is, especially in the art world or the creative world, and it I think it it matters a lot in the comic book world. As the artist or the creator, like you can say Jack Kirby for instance, you know, he goes through, he creates these characters, he draws all the pages, he does all the puts all the work and draws those covers, and let's say he sells some artwork and he makes a couple dollars off of it. 
he's not going to, you know, in 10 years from when he sells that artwork, you know, when he was younger or earlier and it sells for 10 times that now he has, he's, he's this legend that his artwork sells for tens of thousands of dollars or more, $20,000. And the artist, the creator gets never sees any of that. It all goes to collectors, which is, you know, whatever, or dealers. But in the comic world, you know, no matter what you do, you're always like playing catch up because you sell your, you sell your stuff that you create and then somebody else just sells it for more. Yeah. You never what if, see any of that. What if as, uh, as a collector it has somebody who has bought and sold and traded that we take 5% of everything we get and give it back to the creator. You know, that's a good, it's, it's, that, that's like the hero initiative. If you ever heard of that, the hero initiative is a thing that creators will do. Like when we went to at Comic-Con and we paid Stan Sakai $20 a piece to draw on our books for us. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't pay him. We, we gave, he donated that money to the hero initiative, which helps artists who are down on their luck or, you know, aren't working anymore or can't afford bills or, you know, or whatever can make a petition to the hero initiative to get, get help essentially yeah. when they're, after they've you know done so much work and a lot of creators you know and you'll notice when you walk around conventions you'll see they'll have a little a little bucket that says it's green writing on it it says uh please make donations to the hero initiative when you get things signed and you know all that money goes right to that fund that helps out these artists and these writers that essentially don't get paid off of their work after a certain amount of time and i really think that i hate to say it but there's a reason why i don't like buying books and or signed books or artwork or pages from dealers. I want to buy that yeah. from the actual artist. I, I prefer to give my money straight to the creator than to, you know, to a dealer. And like buying all those Mike Grell stuff. And we went right to Mike Grell and had him sign everything. Yeah. But we paid him, but we, we paid him to sign it, you know? Yeah. And it, and if he would have had those books sitting there on, on his, on his table to buy and buy them, I would have bought them from him instead, but he didn't. Yeah. Well, he actually did. He actually did. He had, he had DC 440 and he had the first, uh, war, was it war? He had the first appearance of Warlord and Warlord number one. He had those there. I didn't. I saw. I didn't see those there. I saw the the first Rocketeer one, which I did. Which I did buy from him and have him have him sign. Oh, but it wasn't DC four forty? He had Warlord uh, first appearance of Warlord and Warlord because that guy that was with him, that tall guy. Yeah. I don't remember his name. He was his handler. Yeah, he. he I ran into him at one of the um, comic displays. Oh, so and he so he picked them up stuff. and brought him back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they weren't there when we first went there. Cause when we first went there, there was only a couple of things out and it was like newer green arrow stuff. And yeah. we didn't, we went and found some, we, we went back and they had that star, the star slayer number two, which was the first appearance of rocketeer. I did pay the 30 bucks from him to have him to buy it from him and have him signed. So I'd much prefer to buy it from straight from the artist, you know, and anything getting back into Kirby though. I think a lot of people, I think the influence of Kirby is different now. Like there was direct influence from people that grew up reading and looking at Kirby's art. So oh, you had the hands, the, man. the hands. Yeah, the hands. That's I always think when I think of Kirby, I think of those big hands jutting out. And he and he drew with a lot of 3D type effect in mind, I think. He had a lot of stuff coming out at you, which was it's really very neat. dynamic, yeah. Yeah, very dynamic. And I think a lot of the artists that were in the 70s and even the early 80s were directly influenced by Kirby. But I think I think so too. I think it's the artists you get in the '90s and today, it's a trickle down effect. You know, it is because it's, it's harder. It's harder to see it and stuff in the '90s, but if you look, you can still see it there. Well, it's the juxtaposition of people's composition. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The way they compose a, you know, the feet apart and or the way that they're throwing a punch and all that kind of stuff. He basically 
gave everybody the blueprint. This is how you do action in comic books. Well, if you look at it, if you think about his covers from the 60s, he was one of the first artists to really master the whole, you take a picture of something and then you take the camera and you tilt it. So like think of the Avengers 4 cover with Captain America on it. It's not a straight on shot. It's tilted and downward and looking upward. So it's like the camera's, you know, at a 35 degree angle looking up at the team running at them instead of it being a straight on shot. You know, he was he really mastered that whole moving the camera angle a little bit to make the the, the, the you know how look. he you know why he did that because huh. he wouldn't start at one like when you draw and you tell me if I'm wrong do you draw like say you start on the head and then you work your way down and you got the neck and then the shoulder and then the arm and then the, and you, and you're you're creating everything in a linear fashion. Well, I don't that's, I know, but that's how you're supposed to do it. Okay, well he didn't do it that way, right? He would draw the hand stop and then draw the foot or maybe the back foot stop then draw the waist stop and then do, and, and work it, and everything would just start to come together and he would do yeah. everything freehand it was like he was seeing it in his head and just kind of tracing the picture yeah and he just start wherever yep that's 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 insane that is insane i mean i i i kind of draw not like that but i, I when i draw i I'll start with whatever part I want to focus on first, or what I think should be the focus of the image. And that often always changes to what the actual image focus is going to be. And then I just work outwards from there. But yeah, I mean, that's interesting that he would start with like a hand and go to a foot and just like move around the, the, the figure and then kind of fill it in. Well, then uh, it would, but you're talking about skewing that line and make and tilting that, that picture to be at a different angle. Well, when yeah. you do it that way, you have to force your force perspective. Yeah. You got a force perspective to fit where you're going and what you started with. Huh? So it's an interesting thing. I just realized as an artist and as somebody who wants, you know, who wants to be drawn comics for the big guys someday and has been drawing comics for years. I've never actually watched a video of Jack Kirby drawing. Uh, do they have them? I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to look because I realized, yeah, I've never, never looked at that. Yeah. That'd be interesting. That'd be fun to watch. To be honest, for a long time, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of Jack Kirby. I thought he was overrated for a long time. Well, a lot of people say that. Neil Adams talked about that being, you know, <clears throat> didn't really like him at first. And then he had to be educated. And then they end up being friends and doing stuff together. But I think there's I think it can be easily argued that there are that there were at his time and have been since and before him better artists than Jack Kirby because there yeah. were. Listen, I can give you one name right now that worked around the same time later in the he when he was in the late 60s early 70s and i wholeheartedly think you'll agree that he was a better all-around artist than jack kirby and that's bernie wrightson oh a thousand percent yes <laughs> yeah but yeah influential in his own right sort of massively influential in his own right but not like kirby no you know what i mean and i think it's because of the genres they stuck to wrightson more stuck to horror stuff and Kirby stuck to the, the the science fiction and the the superhero stuff, which is the the main topic of comic books. Right, but I mean, it's but, just they, they're so different in styles. But you would say like Bernie Wrightson can draw anything, anything at all, and I'm sure Kirby yeah. could draw anything at all that he wanted to as well. But Wrightson had a weird way of making everything just look so real. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you saw horror on somebody's face, you felt that horror. You you felt the terror in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And Kirby was more fun. Yeah. But Kirby's influence because he's just showed I think he gave you the blueprint on how to write a comic book and how to how to draw action in a comic book in a superhero comic book fashion. And he created these worlds and these characters. I think his 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 legacy and his influence isn't so much in his the strict quality of his artwork. You know, he was I mean overall if you if you analyze his artwork, he was a good artist, right? He clearly. But his legacy is more in what he was able to create, the way in which he created things and 
just the characters that he helped develop because if you just go down the list of characters he worked on and helped create it's like the who's who of marvel of the 60s you know yeah it's mind-boggling it's all all of them it's all of them you know yeah Yeah, it's mind-boggling yeah you know what's cool too and again this is taken from jack kirby storytellers and you can youtube it and it's a it's an hour long it's a great video it's fun to watch if you love comic books and you love the history of comic books it's a fun one to to watch you know they were listed in the phone book and so fans and struggling artists would just show up at his door and he would and him and his wife would bring them in his wife would make him sandwiches and he would go over their art and give them you know would give them advice on how to break into the industry and what they should be working on and look at their compositions and say you should think of this and have you thought about this and that is so cool that's a wonderful person that would never happen today but that is so cool (laughs) could you imagine somebody like todd mcfarland being listed in the the phone book and just letting people come over to his house no that'd be i i know i mean even though even even though even though he so to his even though i don't super care for todd mcfarland um because of some legal stuff he's done he does um and i do follow him on facebook because he does constantly put out little videos of tips and tricks for artists of how he does stuff and they're really good he'll do like a three minute video on how to do a comic book eye how to draw an eye and how to do it fast and successfully. And it's very, it's really cool. It's very informative. So to his yeah. credit, he does do stuff like that. But no, I couldn't imagine someone showing up at his house. Like, oh, hey. Uh. I can't imagine <laughs> anybody doing that. You know who might be like that still is like Walt Simonson. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's old school. Because, you know, he's just open. Yeah, he's old school. But we saw Neil Adams at, at San Diego Comic-Con. I didn't get that feeling at all. Oh, no, not at all. And, you know, while Neil's a very nice guy to talk to, it's all about it. It's a business, yeah. you know. They got to make their business and make their money yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, there's a part of me. I just, I can't, I can't be mad about that. You know, they got to make their money and they got to protect their family. And, and sometimes people are like, well, how much money is enough money? Well, if you have the ability to make enough money to protect you, your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids, you're going to do it. Oh yeah. Why wouldn't you? Of course you would. You know? Yeah. And it's, I, I can't fault him for that. No, you can't. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to it's a business. got to be able to support your family. But it is cool to hear about Jack and letting people come in and do that. Yeah. 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 But Jack Kirby, man, 100 years. Thank you, sir. Well, hold on one second. I want to tell a quick story about my feelings with Jack and stuff before we go yeah. on. But, you know, at first, when I first got into comics, I didn't really care for Jack Kirby. I thought his art was incredibly overrated. And as a kid of the 90s, I thought the, the 90s art was, you know, those artists were so much better because of everything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, every every girl has big boobs and a waist like that. <laughs> <laughs> what, you mean they don't? <laughs> but, you know, I, as I grew older and started reading the comics and getting into art and drawing more, I realized that it wasn't really about the the art or what I saw in the art of those comics at the time with Jack Kirby. It was more about his influence and what he created and what he was able to create and how this one man with uh, one, I mean, two men, if you count Stanley, but this one man is the art side was able to, to create so much stuff that we hold dear and hold iconic as comics. I mean, I may not be the biggest Marvel fan in the world, but I can definitely sit here and tell you the influence of Jack Kirby on everything. Even though he did work for DC, his Marvel stuff's way more prolific than his DC stuff. You can't be into comics and not be able to love and appreciate the work that Mr. Kirby put into this, put into it and the, the care and the love that he had over this medium. And, you know, it's, I, as I get older, I, I you know I, I don't love his work, but I I love his what he did. Yeah, yeah, that is totally true. It's it's kind of crazy, you know. You think about I we, we've talked about Marvel a lot, and we I don't want to say we talk shit about Marvel, but sometimes we do based on the fact of their business practices. Them and DC together create an industry that we love, and I can't see 
the comic book realm without DC, and I can't see them without Marvel. Yeah, and I can't see either one of them without the work of Jack Kirby. Exactly. That's what I was getting to. And those two were so, you know, because they were so prolific there in the, in the early 60s with the X-Men and Iron Man and Thor and the Fantastic Four and... And Spider-Man. And, well, Stan Lee, Spider-Man with Ditko, but Kirby definitely had a huge influence on it. Well, actually, Kirby, it would design the character of Spider-Man first, and then Ditko took it into the comics. There you go. You know, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, because when you think about it, DC has the Trinity. That's their biggest... Th- those, those are the biggest ones. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Marvel has everybody else, and it's encompassing. It's very encompassing. It's kind of crazy. The fact that Stan Lee was such a great marketer and such a great voice for the comic book industry... By proxy, he elevated both companies. Well, without the work that Lee was doing at the time, and the comic books in that era would have died out. So, yeah, I fully believe that without Lee, both companies probably would have gone under quickly. Yeah, I think so. I believe that. I believe that. You know, and Kirby was worried, right? I mean, all through the 50s, you think about it, you know, comics were on the downturn big time after. Yeah, nobody was reading them. Yeah, well, after that, a uh, psychologist put out the the book. I can't remember his name. Uh, Seduction of the Incident by Frank Wortham and Pride of Pleasure by Jeffrey Wagner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people, yeah, the people were getting rid of those books, man. Didn't like the direction things were going. No, so the Silver Age came in and things had to change. They had to to adapt, and Lee and Kirby really knew what to do with their, you know, Lee on the marketing side and Kirby on the creating the worlds and the, the art side and making this vast universe and stuff. Just doing what he had to do to get going. Exactly, yeah, just doing what they had to do to make make it make a living and, and make this, this iconic world that everybody loves. I mean, love Marvel or hate Marvel, you can't deny the fact of what they've had on pop culture and our worlds yeah. and everything like that, yeah. what Kirby specifically has done. So 100 years. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you so much. Yes, happy birthday. And thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to us on your iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts at. Follow us on Twitter. We, you know, we tweet out things we like. We talk about some fun stuff. We have some good interaction with some great creators out there. Next episode, we're talking to Scott Godleski. It's going to be a great one. We have a, a new contest coming at the end of that one. So make sure you listen to that one and listen all the way to the end to find out how to enter that contest. If you want to and like to, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash country. You know, you can toss in a few dollars, get some cool stuff, and help us out there to keep uh, keep doing what we're doing here. You can also use that Amazon affiliate link in the description down below to go to Amazon, buy whatever you want to buy, and we'll get a little bit of a kickback from that. It's pretty cool. Hit us up on Instagram where we post pictures. We post up to our stories where we're at. We're going to be in a list of – we have a lot of conventions coming up. Coming up this weekend on the 1st, I will be at the San Francisco Comic Con. The following weekend, I will be at the Rose City Comic Con in Portland. The Kenrick may be there as well. Coming up in November, we'll be at Jet City Comic Con in Tacoma, Washington. And then fast forward to March, we'll be at the Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. We have a couple more little ones that we might be going to as well, but I'm not going to announce those really until we have it confirmed in our plans. Again, thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Twitter anytime. Thank you. Have a good one.